Good morning. Some of you are going to be able to really relate to what I'm about to describe. There are four times in uh, our family life where Pam and I really had a difficult moment. And uh, it, it had to do with every time we took one of our children to college. Um, it was horrible. And, uh, you know, we would go, and it happened every time. We would go, and we'd have, you know, car, truck loaded with stuff, the van, whatever. And we'd go into the dorm, and, and for whatever reason, our kids always picked a, a dorm that was like, 17 floors up and no elevator. Um, you had to pay for better college, you know, if you wanted elevator. And so we're carrying all this stuff up. And, 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 and I, I really, you know, I, I didn't want to leave, but I was going really fast because I wanted to get to the pain part and try to get through it. And the pain part is when you pull away from the school and you leave your child there and, and it's just horrible. And Pam and I, would just, we wouldn't even look at each other uh, because we were both crying and we didn't want to look at each other and get worse and cried, you know. And, 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 it, and it, just, it was such a horrible pain moment. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm driving home every time and I'm thinking about all the things we did and, the, you know, the, the, the vacations and the, uh, the, the trips and the baseball and all this stuff, and it just gets worse and worse. And, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've taken your kids to college or you've taken them to a connection point where they get on a bus and head to a military installation or you just take them out to the desert because you need, no, they need to get out of the house and so you just leave them there. But it's painful when you do that. And, you know, I, I know that, uh, well, first of all, I, I get over it rather quickly when I start getting the credit card bills. You know, that kind of heals me. I'm like, good grief. And, but, but, you know, you leave them, and as a parent, you're just in pain. As, as, as young people, oh, this is great. You know, we're going to, new place in life. We're going to take our mountains. We're going to forge our path. And it just makes me want to puke. It's just awful. I just, I hate, I hate this part of life. And, I don't have to do it anymore. Um, but uh, beyond the pain of separation that we experienced, um, there's a question that we think about, probably you think about, is what are we, when we drive away, what are we leaving with them? I'm not talking about the stuff that they stole from the house that you don't find out about until later. <laughs> that happens. I'm talking about what have we given them to face life with? What have we, what have we invested? What, are, what do they have that if we didn't do our job, they probably wouldn't have? What, we, what have we given them in life <clears throat> that allows them to become the person that God <clears throat> has created them to be? So that takes me to this passage of Scripture that we've been studying now for, I think, four weeks in this series, Made for More. Uh, we've been looking at the book of Ephesians, and I want to I move away from some of my outside missional ideas today to bring you to something that 
is extremely important and not to be overlooked or not to be minimalized. So as I read these passages of Scripture, I want you to think about them as they relate to our children. Ephesians 1. This is kind of the kickoff for the first week of the series. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. I've told you over and over now, Jesus is everywhere. He's everywhere. He's in all things. And we have these these children that we've raised and and, and God has given us uh, the stewardship of, of these young lives and and one of the things that I wanted to leave with our children, and Pam and I, we wanted them to know that Jesus is everywhere. There is no place that they will go where He isn't already there. There is no valley that's, that's so low and mountain is so high. And <laughs> Oh man, um, Michael McDonald. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I just had a moment there. Um, Jesus is everywhere. And then we go to chapter 2, for we are God's masterpiece. I want our children to know that they are a masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Ephesians 3 talks about being rooted and grounded, not in doctrine, not in church, but in love. We are rooted and grounded in love. Ephesians 4, that we are gifts. God has given us gifts so that we can do what we need to do in life, so that things can actually work in our lives. And, and so, as I think through this, and I think through this series, and I think about being made for more, we've been talking about mission, we've been talking about taking Jesus outside of the four walls of the church. I just want to say this, you can't talk about mission without talking about our children. Our kids. I had the incredible opportunity to spend some time, I I talked about this a little bit last week, spend some time with a pastor who has probably the most missional church that he leads that I've ever uh, seen in my entire life. That what they do outside of the walls of their church is just absolutely stunning. But we had a sober moment in the conversation when I said, tell me how it works with your children, the church's children, while you guys are doing this. And instantly, you could see the, the, the almost what looked like pain in his eyes. And he said to me, he said, Greg, he goes, honestly, we've messed it up. It's, it's our greatest regret as we've done what we felt like we needed to do. Because we couldn't figure out how to handle or deal with our kids while we were on such a great mission. And he went further to say, my own kids have been the recipient of this failure. And I, I, at that moment, I was just like, okay, that is, that is a non-negotiable that, that can't be a negotiable as we're talking about taking the world for Jesus or our world for Jesus. You know, I'm going to twist a scripture here. You've all heard the scripture, what good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? I'm, I'm going to change that. What good is it if you have a great successful mission and you lose your children? 
It's not, that's not a price that we've been asked to give. It's not a price. I, I, I grew up in a, in a world of pastors and missionaries and their children were the least cared for in the whole, I mean, in everything they did. That is unacceptable. That's unacceptable with, with our faith. Totally. And so I want to talk about that today. Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and don't hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Now, this is a moment where he had to interrupt his mission with his followers, his disciples, and straighten them out. Because these kids started to come to Jesus and the moms were bringing the children and, and, and the disciples were saying, no, 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 we're doing something important. And Jesus rebuked them. He said, whoa, wait a minute. You don't understand. These kids are exactly who we need to have here. These children are, this is what you need to look like or look at and understand what needs to take place. He's out there changing the world, but he stops his mission to have this moment with kids. Now I want to talk about that because there's already a church, we could call it a micro-mission or a micro-church, that's behind me, that is the most important mission we will ever have. It's the biggest opportunity that we have as a church to change the culture, to change the world around us, to impact lives. And I want to talk about that today. I want to tell you and share with you two principles that come out of this Matthew teaching and how we need to understand how this affects us. Principle number one, the church can be a powerful influence in shaping young lives toward Jesus Christ. The church can be a powerful influence in shaping young lives toward Jesus Christ. There's several things that can, that can happen, we can do. Number one, we help them acquire knowledge. We help kids acquire knowledge. Proverbs 1.7 teaches us that the beginning of knowledge comes from the fear of the Lord. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Not teaching them, and I've explained this to you many times. When we say the fear of the Lord, we're not talking about being afraid of God. We're talking when that, that passage, the fear of the Lord, means you put God first in everything. He is first. He's first ahead of everything else. So the church can help you bring knowledge that is the ultimate knowledge to your children. I just want to diverse. What do you, I, I want to move away from this thought for just a moment. Okay, Sometimes words just avoid me. Um, for parents of young children today, I, I just want to put a challenge out, out there. Some of you are kind of on the fringe of where you are with your faith, where you are with your commitment. Some of you are in a place where you've been on a journey and it's, it's been good and you know, you've been kind of walking along and getting closer and closer to the kind of person that God wants you to be. And you have little children. And I want to say this, you've only got one shot at this. You only have one chance at this. You need to get aggressive about your faith. You need to make commitments that you haven't been making. You need to take another step forward, several maybe. 
You need to, if, if you need to declare that, okay, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life, or I'm going to be baptized, or I'm going to start setting some standards in my life that represent you, you need to make those decisions because there is so much at risk when you do not. Number two, the church can help these kids cultivate convictions. Convictions. 1 Corinthians 16.13 says, Keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all you have, be resolute. To accomplish great things on earth requires convictions in the face of this culture. If our children don't have convictions, they'll be captured by culture, by pleasure, by possessions, by prestige, by power. Only convictions will help our children avoid being decimated by these cultural views. Number three, we get to help them develop skills. I think this is one of the most interesting things. You know, we, in, in uh, I think it's step two of, of our growth track, we talk a lot about spiritual gifts and about your personalities, those types of things. In fact, I think, if I'm not wrong on this, our next uh, series after Easter is dealing with this whole thing of personality and God and, and who we are. It's going to be a really fun uh, series. But Proverbs 22.6 says, Train a child in the way he or she would go. And, and it goes on and says, And when they get older, they won't depart from that. Now, that's been a twisted scripture a lot. That's been uh, a lot of people have thought, Okay, if I raise a, my child... To, to be a Christian, they'll stay that way, or they'll be whatever. That is not what this is talking about. It's not a bad principle, and it's not a bad way to approach it. But what this passage is really talking about is you need to study your child. You need to, to, to look at them and try to figure out how they're made, how they're wired, who they are. And, and, and you begin this, this study so that you can figure out how to coach them about the future of their lives. And I know sometimes, you know, kids are pretty exasperating. They, I mean, like, like life is chaotic, especially with young kids, and it's just, it gets really hard sometimes. And so uh, you need to take any, any advice you can get when, when you're dealing with this. And I'm not, I'm not a really creative person when it comes to having conversations that are going to take anybody anywhere. I, you know, I'm great if I've had a chance to study and prepare, but on the fly, I, I, I'm not that great. So I like, I like things that will help me. We are going to give you guys today um, uh, something that's going to help you. This is for every, every uh, family in here. If you've got uh, young kids, I want you to take one of these. They're going to be at both doors. Uh, this is called the, the key jar. And um, uh, I don't know how we found these, but they're pretty cool. These are just conversation pieces. Put this thing on your kitchen table, and once or twice a week, take out one of these questions and bring it up to your children. And some of you grandparents may want to take one or two of these home and give them to your kids for, their grand, for your grandkids. But these, uh, let me just read what we learned about these things. It says, smart parents give their children a million answers... Wise parents ask their children a million questions. And so smart parents might know, but wise parents understand. Put this jar in the kitchen table, and a few times a week, pull out a question during dinner. 
you'll discover that people, even little people, want to be known. These, the, the questions are really, really kind of cool. I was looking at some of them, and I, I just want to sit and talk to Pam about some of these things and figure out what's going on. But, but you'll learn a lot by listening to your children. You'll learn what they're thinking. You're, you'll learn kind of how they're made. And, and the older they get, the more the answers really matter because you're going to get to see, oh, they're headed this way or they're thinking this. And it's so much better to hear where they are, know what they're thinking, so that you can parent better. So anyway, grab one of these on your way out, folks. Parents and grandparents, uh, they're yours. And um, I think they're like 48 or 50 uh, things in there. So a couple of weeks gets you through a year. Um, number four, we want to help them establish character. Proverbs 15 says, A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. We need to protect these kids' minds from evil thoughts. You know, the garbage in, garbage out thing. What is your child taking in? One of the, one of the blessings of just being here on Sundays is having your kids and Destiny kids because they get to take in some pretty important things, things that they'll remember, things that will last a lifetime, and things that you want them to know. So um, ha- helping them establish character comes from what the intake is when they're young. There's another principle, though, that I really want to focus on today because I, I think, you know, how this helps the kids is really important and you need to be reminded of that constantly. But there's one principle that I don't know if we really understand, and it's this. Young people can be a powerful influence in advancing a church toward Jesus Christ. We always think we're the ones giving, we're the ones helping. But the reality is, according to what Jesus taught us here, is if we spend time investing in them, the blessing and the power is really going to come back for us. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Why? Because it could be good for them? No, he says, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The kingdom, what you're supposed to be about is about this. It, it was He was saying this so that we would get it. We would understand. We would understand how the mission worked. We would understand how to approach others. We, you know, think about this. You know, moms are bringing their kids to Jesus to, so he'll put his hands on them. And, you know, they've seen what happens when Jesus puts his hands on people. Blind people see, deaf people hear, and, and lame people walk, and sick people are healed, and, and, and they're, they're, they're like... I just want him to put my hands on my child. And Jesus is like, let me touch these kids. Let me interact with the least of these. And you guys will get a first-hand glimpse of the blessing I want to pour out on you. See, this isn't, this whole idea of children and church and kids and kids' ministry, it's, It's not just a good idea, it's a principle. And when we bring kids to Jesus, we in large part become the church that Jesus wants us to be. So, you might be asking, what's all this have to do with made for more? And I want to tell you, it's about the church that's behind me. It's about these kids that are filling these rooms back here. Every week we have an amazing opportunity to impact lives for all of eternity. 
It's right under our noses, and many times it gets ignored. There are times that we treat this like it's babysitting while we're having church. Or, you know, you might think, well, I'm around kids all day. I don't want to, I don't want to invest in this. But I want you to understand that it's because of the amazing opportunity that it affords us that we need to invest. We need to get involved. This isn't babysitting. I mean, even the infants and toddlers, they hear about Jesus. We, they, they sing to them. They, they hug them. They love them. They, 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 they treat them to something really special every week. You know, <clears throat> most, uh, most decisions that uh, are made for Christ happen back here in the church behind me in terms of salvation. You know, for, church, for years, I just read this, um, got this off of uh, some of Barna and Pew Research stuff. It says, for years, the church leaders have heard the claim that nearly nine out of ten Christians accept Jesus as their Savior before the age of 18. If that statistic was accurate in the past, it no longer is in the, in the U.S., the current Barna study indicates that nearly half of all Americans who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior do so before they reach the age of 13. The, the number's actually 43%. That's average across our country. That's throughout Christianity in the U.S. How, let me just ask you a question. If you get, get away from kids' ministry for just a moment, what if you decided that you wanted to reach out to non-believers around you at work or you know, restaurant or wherever, and that you knew you were going to get a 43% minimal response of a yes to accept Jesus Christ. Would you find yourself out there doing something about that? If you had the courage and you could have the training and you knew that you had a guaranteed 43%. Well, for a church like ours, who focuses on kids, we are way above the 43 percentile. We're, we're in the 70s, 80s, maybe 90 percentile. Think about outside of these walls, if you, if you had friends who you know aren't believers and you had a 70 or 80 or 90 percent chance of them saying yes to Jesus, wouldn't that be an exciting day? And yet, we have those kind of returns right here every week. So... I'm doing this today, I'm sharing this today because I am totally sold out on the missional direction that God is taking our church. I am so convinced that He is doing an amazing work inside of us, in our church, in our hearts, in our thinking, in our relationships, that we can become a church that is focused on the kingdom of God, where we can impact the culture around us. We can do more to change the world around us than, than we've ever imagined. But we need to begin right here. I don't want to take the focus off of outside the walls, but inside these walls, we have a church of little souls that desperately need us. And I need you to engage with them. We've gotten to the place where 
95% of the churches in America are where we can barely staff our children's ministry. We can't find people to do what we need to do to make it work. And it almost feels like we're okay with that. And I'm not okay with it. We need help in every area. Our nurseries, our toddler kids, our preschool, elementary. We need a few people who are just outrageously outgoing and funny to be MCs for uh, the, the large group thing that we do. Some of you high school and young adult students, you'd be excellent at this. You're kind of crazy and we need that. We need people who will be small group leaders for our kindergarten through fifth grade. It's, it's where you have the most impact. That's where you're going to see the most decisions made for Christ is in these small group meetings. We need people who will care and love these kids as if they're important. As if what Jesus was trying to say really mattered. I need you to, a bunch of you to sign up to do this once a month. As a matter of fact... I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not going to do. You're not going to see me one time a month because I'm going to be wearing one of those cool blue Destiny Kids shirts and I'm going to be back there causing trauma for kids. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm going back. Until we get enough people, I'm not... And this is... This is you, you might say, but man, Greg, don't you need to lead a church and, you know, do... No. I need to be back there and help these kids because the return is crazy good. And so I'm going back until they kick me out, which could be for after the first time. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus is trying to show us in this book of Ephesians, the, the constitution of the church, how to change the world. And for whatever reason, he interrupts this flow to stop everything and talk about the kids. And says, here's where it starts. You want to understand it? It starts here. I just want to close with one last thought. Um, We have a couple children who are here almost every week. They come from a horrible environment. They've been the victims of abuse and rage and chaos and a loveless environment. They have um, a reputation for just being totally out of control. No, there's, there's, there's no stability anywhere in their lives. And these kids walk into the Destiny Kids ministry every week. And you'd be amazed at the transformation that takes place in those few moments that we have with those children. It's like something just happened. You know what that is? They're loved. They're simply loved and cared for. And their eyes light up. And we only get them for a short time every week. But it could change everything for them. 
I just think that the conversation I have with that pastor is never one that I want to have as a testimony of where we are as a church. I don't want to tell some guy who's asking me, what are you all up to? What are you doing? How's it going with the kids? I never want to say, oh man, that's a regret. That's a, uh, it didn't work out so well. You know, yeah, we could do this and do that. You know, we are talking a lot about a lot of things, a lot of great things that are coming. But we cannot sacrifice what I believe is our greatest opportunity for life change. And that's the church behind me. So, I'm not going to ask you to do something I'm not doing. My daughter's going to freak when she sees my name on this card. And I'm signing up. And I want a bunch of you to do the same thing. I want you to jump in. I want you to help. I want us to make a difference in those who are most ready to completely give their lives to Jesus. Is it a sacrifice? <laughs> well, maybe. But when you look at you look at the return, if we can't do this, we're going to fail in the other stuff. Now, I don't want to be successful in the world and blow it in the back room here. So anyway, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give us your name on the... This is everybody that, that feels like maybe you should jump in here. Um... Put your name on here, a way to get in touch with you. And then just write a really big yes on this card. Yes, that's all you got to do. And um, let's, let's do something amazing. Um, I want to pray right now specifically for some of you parents who really need to make the next step. Some of you need to make a decision, you're going to follow Christ with your life. You're going to give your life to Christ. You've, you've been watching, observing, seeing, hearing. It's time to make a move. Um, others of you, you said yes to Jesus. You know, you get your ticket punched for heaven, but still living in hell. And um, what are the next things you need to do? What are the, what's the next step? Some of you, you need to get baptized. Some of you need to, your children need to see you do that. Some of you, um, you may need to join a small group. You've just been staying away from people because you don't want to deal with stuff. You know, whatever, whatever it is, you'll know what your next step is. But I'm going to pray for you specifically right now. And then um, we're going to close. Father, first of all, I, I want to thank you so much for entrusting us with these children. Lord, as parents, as a church, Lord, our greatest pain and our greatest love and our greatest blessing are our kids. Father, I am so thankful. Pam and I are so thankful for our children and now our grandchildren. And uh, they, That's our life. Lord, I thank you for the children that you have given this church. It's our life. 
It's, it's, it's us. Lord, I pray for every parent here, especially those who have small children. I just pray, Father, that they would understand that one of the greatest teachers will be their own children as far as the kingdom of heaven. And I pray that these parents would take the next step. They would make the next commitment. Some of them need to say yes to you right now. Yes, I'm going to be a Christ follower. I'm going to, I'm going to throw off the things that are messing me up. I'm going to make the move. Some are going to need to say yes, I'm going to make this change in my life so that I can be a better dad or a better mom for my child. some need to just follow you in baptism I just pray that today would be one a day that we recognize that we are made for more we're made for more you fill everything you've created us and our children as masterpieces you've rooted us in love you've given us gifts and I pray that we would live in a life of more I ask this in Jesus name Amen